When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Goalie Ashwa Gummies. You can find them at goalie.com. Use promo code the Show Up That Foundation to get 10% off your order. Zendurance Active Wellness and Sports Nutrition. Their products are designed to maximize your health. At Zendurance, they strive to support and have a positive impact on the wellness of every hardworking dad. Use my code the Show Up Dad and get 10% off your next purchase. For more info, go to www.zendurance.com. Tall Man Equipment, standing taller than the rest of the competition in Lyman Tools since 1952. Give them a follow at www.tallmanequipment.com. And last but not least, Adam Lane Smith. He is an attachment specialist who helps people to heal, connect, and build. Use my promo code SHOW, spelled S-H-O-W, for a 50% discount on his attachment boot camp course. Thank you. Appreciate you getting me on here. I, I hope that this is of some value to somebody out there. If it reaches one person, then all this is worth it. And I definitely consider what you're doing a blessing and um, God's going to continue to bless it. This is just a fantastic thing you're doing. And, and we tradesmen really are good at what we do and very poor at being good humans. Um, I'm 51 years old, um, grew up normal. You know, my mom and dad, like the beginning of everything, got a divorce when I was 14. Um, I really identified with my dad. My dad was the guy in the neighborhood that all the other kids loved. He was like every kid's best friend. He could fix anything. He could weld anything. He, he was a big kid. Um, but you know, as you grow up, you learn that part of that is because he just never had the coping mechanism to really grow up. And Part of that was, you know, I um, moved out on my own when I was 15 and dad would come and check on me and dad was a, a drinker and a womanizer. And when mom and him got a divorce, he pretty much fell apart. So at 15, I moved out on my own, but he was around. Uh, he would stop by and ask me if I needed anything and uh, he'd buy me some groceries and then my choice of alcohol usually a bottle and a case of beer. So I started early on with not a coping mechanism, but I saw it as normal. My dad always drank. And I started drinking at a young age and I didn't see a problem with it. I didn't have a problem with it that I knew of. Um, so things go on. I grow up. I meet my first wife in high school and I go off to the Air Force. And I get into a trade that's 
basically a telephone lineman. And what did we do? We hit the road running. We traveled uh, usually 300 to 320 days a year. So I married my wife, took her to Germany, dumped her at our house and hit the road. So what a great start for a marriage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and at the time, you know, I, I learned on the road, you know, I cut my teeth on the road and, you know, it was all about, you know, hanging out with, you work hard all day and you party with the boys all night and you get up the next morning hungover and you work harder, you work off the hangover so you can drink again that night. So you live on the road a month at a time, you go home for a week and here's this person that you've brought over here that's basically become a burden. It kind of didn't fit into my lifestyle, but we were young. We got through it. Um, got out of the Air Force. Uh, worked for the State Highway Department for a while as an inspector for uh, road construction. Uh, at this time, I was thinking everything was cool. Marriage was okay. Um, as far as I knew. Um, I still drank, but it wasn't excessive, and I didn't drink for any other particular reason other than I liked it a lot. Um, then we got to the point we had our first kid, second kid. Uh, in that point in time, I got into the trade and was a construction apprentice, so construction apprentice only works if he's on the road. So initially I bought a, a travel trailer and I took the family with me. And you know, that actually kind of worked for a short period of time, a very short period of time. But then I realized, and the wife told me, we need a home. This is not a home. Because what happens? You come in after a day of work, the boys come over, have a few drinks, talk a bunch of smack, you shower, uh, visit with your kids for about 10 seconds as you're wolfing down some food, hit the rack, and do it all over again, five, six, seven days a week. So I understood she wanted a home, so I bought her a house, uh, the one first of three, and uh, had two more. We moved up to Washington. Part of it, I've worked construction. I've worked utilities, I've worked uh, public utilities, PUDs, and uh, co-ops. So I've kind of hit the whole gamut. And in amongst all this, when I uh, was 28, I got, it was the middle of winter, I hopped out of a four foot deep underground vault and tweaked my shoulder. Okay, no big deal. Well, that was a problem for years. I started my shoulder surgeries, um, screwed them up. And then when I was 32, I fell off a pole, hit the ground at from 30 feet, uh, took out my left leg from just above my kneecap is all the way up to the head of my femur and took out my left elbow. It's a life affirming event and a life changing event. It was life affirming because I was no longer invincible at 32 like I thought I was. I wasn't 10 feet tall and bulletproof. And it was life changing because the rage, the depression I particularly have is rage, uh, started to get fueled by 
me blaming other people for this happening and my pain and, and my crappy marriage. And so I started to drink on top of all this. Wow. So time goes on. Um, marriage is not good, but um, I'm ignoring it. I'm not paying attention to her. I'm not paying attention to the kids. And then we have two more kids. I have four daughters, beautiful daughters. Uh, they are the light of my life. We left, we were in Washington when I fell. Uh, we came back to New Mexico. I went back to tramping. And basically it just fell to peace. I was so comfortable being away from home that when I went home, they were used to me being gone. Mm. And on top of that, I never... I was never there. I showed up and I kept one eye on the door and one foot in the door. So I was waiting. As soon as I showed up, I was waiting to leave. And I can tell you, I absolutely loved my wife and I absolutely loved my children, but I didn't learn how to cope with that. I didn't learn how to talk to them. I didn't have a, a clue. Yeah. I thought I was doing the best I could. I was basically like my dad he was always on the road and it was normal i mean i had the old uh uh leave it to beaver family you know mom stayed at home with the kids and dad was on the road earning the money i thought that was all normal and i accepted it mm -hmm. um needless to say things went bad really bad um for myself I uh, ended up needing a total shoulder replacement and I was too young to do it. So I anesthetized with pain pills and alcohol, lots and lots of alcohol. So I got a failing marriage. I got pain pills. I got alcohol. I got a sense of self pride and worth when I'm at work and a total disregard for my life when I wasn't at work. If I wasn't busy, I was hating myself. Wow. Um, well, it culminated in a uh, fifth of vodka, a drive to the top of uh, Cedar Crest, 10,000 foot mountain in the middle of a snowstorm, half the bottle there, half the bottle back. Uh, I sat outside in my vehicle outside the house and took a pistol and put it in my head, called my mom, um, told her goodbye. Uh, she, uh, my mom doesn't cuss, but she had a few choice words for me. And then, by the grace of God, I tried to pull that trigger. I used everything in my strength that I thought I had to pull that trigger. And I couldn't do it. I tried and therefore by the grace of God for fools and drunks, I couldn't pull that trigger. I mean, nothing. And I tried. So I finally just lay back and pass out, wake up the next morning, a total miserable drunk failure. Like all things that happened, the divorce happened. Um, the most important thing that happened in my life is you, and my now current wife, the two people in my life that I would argue with and ask questions about God 
and more than not, I didn't want to listen. I just wanted to argue. Uh, but praise you, brother. You were very patient. And my now current wife was patient to a point, and then she had really chewed my butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, for, for myself, realizing that I could not get any lower and I couldn't kill myself, mm -hmm. there had to be something more. And for myself, that was Jesus Christ. Wow, brother. I had to have someone that held me accountable, but didn't hold it against me. Mm. And that was at the age of 42, I became baptized. I became saved, accepted Jesus Christ. And um, honestly, since then, my life is... I, I still struggle, but my now current wife uh, is, is patient, and more importantly, she doesn't put up with a lot of my crap. So I've, I'm learning to cope. I'm learning to shut my mouth, and I'm learning to be the man I knew I could be, but had no ability to be. Mm. Is it safe to say, Will, that um, you couldn't give what you didn't have? Absolutely. Uh, no one told me how to be a dad. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's basically like being a lineman. You know, I'll show you once. Get your butt up there and do it, right? Exactly. You learn by doing it. Well, what do you have to do as a as a, as a as a father, you look at your father, you figure out what you liked, what he did. You try not to make his mistakes and you say, I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. And as you probably know, it doesn't work out that way. You end up attaching a lot of the things you didn't care for as part of your life, whether you want to or not, because mm -hmm. you don't know any different. It's early training, plain and simple. As fathers, I know for myself, we basically just fall back like when we don't when we come to that point we don't know how to handle a situation with our kids we fall back to what was taught us thus continuing the cycle like you're saying you know so if i was yeah. treated a certain way that was in my brain already right it's it's been ingrained in there so that's what we fall back on because when we don't know that's what our brain does it, it tends to fall back to a situation or a time that we feel comfortable with no matter how uncomfortable it might have been at the time but we fall back to yeah. that you know yeah and a lot of it you get to a point where you you either it's familiarity and comfort mm -hmm. um i've always been a very hardcore strict this is the line black and white kind of guy and i treated my family like that i treated them like a possession yeah and as my possessions they had to toe the line. It's black and white. This is how it is. I'm the one doing the work. I'm the one risking my life. I'm the one doing this. I'm bringing home the money. You're going to do it my way. And there's, there was never, ever an empathetic heart to, to, to be open, to allow them to be individuals mm. and to be a part of my life without being told what to do. Wow. I had to have, I had to have that control. Absolutely. And, and when we do that to our children, 
our children tend to become prisoners of their parents' moodiness. Like like for me, my children walked on eggshells when I was around, when I was home. They no longer had their individual feelings or, or behaviors and all the decisions were no longer made on a personal level. You know, when, when, when children are raised like this, they need constant approval from their parents. You know, even the smallest actions, they become approval junkies seeking their next fix as they grow up into adults. And uh, yep. chaos becomes a way of life for them in this toxic household. And, and that's what I saw in my yeah. life. You know, it, uh, you become dependent on chaos. You know, I saw that in, in my life as well as a child where if I didn't have chaos because I grew up in a chaotic household, you know, then I started seeing that in my home as well to where if chaos wasn't going on, if there wasn't any kind of dissension or anything like that going on, I wasn't happy. So I, I would create that situation. I would create that environment and it was unhealthy. Well, I treated my family, like I said, like possession and they had two lives. They lived two lives. I lived one. Actually, I lived two. My work persona was Mr. Happy-go-lucky, nice, uh, firm, but I could teach and I, and, and I could be with the guys and, and focus, dug in, loving it, loved my job. Yeah. Um, but when I went home, instead of realizing that it wasn't my job to control them, but to enjoy them mm. and to teach them and love them, they learned that when I walked through that door, they knew all the right things to say and to do and how to act. Mm-hmm. And that was the beginning of, of the destruction of my marriage was my wife did the same thing. They had a life that they put on hold for the two or three days I was home. And then they went back to their life. And of course, by this time, I, I drink on a regular basis. I mean... I consume. I'm not a drinker. I'm a consumer. Wow. And that's not a prideful thing. That's, that's not an arrogant thing. That's just the fact of the matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I was using it for pain. Um, I was using it to anesthetize my feelings to step back. So I didn't get emotional and, 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 with a problem of depression, rage, you you go along just fine and you try to, to maintain that standoffish. But all it takes is one thing and that's the end. There's no reasoning. I was absolutely, I went from zero to a thousand and I'm going to rip the heads off the world. And there was nothing you could do to reason with me, talk to me, nothing. I could not be stopped until it worked its way out. Um, bad um and and of course at the time i justified it by saying i'm right guess what i'm right i'm the leader i'm the one doing this i'm right oh it was i you know kudos to my ex-wife absolutely she put up with more crap for a longer for 26 years Wow. She put up my craziness. And I was like this. Uh, there's a lot of things she brought up to me 
during a divorce, you know, lots of fun things are said. Um, that I was like this when I was a teenager. And you talk about news to me. Yeah. I was like, where'd that come from? But then when you get a little bit of uh, introspection, you get the Holy Spirit kicking on your heart and your head. You start to think back and it's like, holy mackerel. I was an accident looking for a problem. And if I couldn't, just like you said, if I couldn't find that problem, I made that problem. Yeah. Chaos. Um, lousy father. And, and you know, the funny thing is, I absolutely adored and loved them. And I still do. Yes. But I never learned how to show it. My, my way of showing my love was to buy them. Okay, I was distant, I was unemotional, detached. What would I do? They had the best toys, the best gifts, the best house. They had the best of everything. That was my cop out. Wow. And it didn't work. It worked. It, I want to say it worked for a little while, but that's a lie. It never worked. Yeah. It never worked. The thing I couldn't give them was my time and me. And that's all they ever wanted. Man, I love when you said that, uh, you know, you were failing in that area and stuff. And I just want to just just reiterate that no parent is perfect. You know, we make mistakes we, and we tend to repeat those familiar patterns of feelings, no matter how hurtful they were. You know, and we, we fall back to that way we were raised, you know, um, with that being said, I think we need to be reminded that we need to rewire that toxic behavior, right? Your brain starts sending signals, according to Dr. Carolyn Lee, that it brings an awareness where your brain can start rewiring itself and actually healing those hurts. Any past hurt, right, that is still painful has not been healed. So when you look back to those things that happened to you as a child in your own, in your own uh, childhood, and they're still painful, that means that's an area that hasn't been fixed yet, that hasn't been healed yet, you know, and we, we bring those into our families. And then we pass that on to our kids. And then from there, we raise up these kids that are in their 20s and 30s, you know, seeking help, because now all of a sudden, they don't know what's wrong with them either. You know what I mean? It's, it's a, it's like a river of mud, I call it. You know what I mean? It just keeps flowing in California when the fires go off. Right. And then it burns off all that, that, that growth that's there. Correct. And then when it rains, it floods, it creates this ash, creates this mud and all this thing. And there's nothing to stop it. So it just continues to flow down and flow down and flow down. And that's kind of how I reference this river of mud because it, there's nothing really stopping it. You know what I mean? Once everything's been burnt off. So I think it's important that we're aware, you know, and I, I'm glad that you're aware of, you know, your situation and what you've gone through and stuff like that. Uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask you with Will is that uh, for those that don't know how big of a problem we have with effective fathers at the head of the household, how could you shed some light on how big of a problem that this actually is and why do you think it occurs? Um. I can only speak from personal point of view and the men I have worked with mm -hmm. in the military and in this trade for the last 
23 years that I was a lineman and now a year as an inspector. We don't cope. Mm. We have A-type personalities. We step up to a job. Every one of us, every lineman I've ever met has the mentality, I can make it happen. And we do. We are prideful. We are arrogant. We identify ourselves through our jobs. Mm. And we get lost in that. The men I know, other than you uh-huh. and two other individuals of the hundreds I know and have met, are divorced at least once. Wow. And unfortunately, nothing changes for all of them. Uh, praise God, my life is changing and it will continue to change till I die. Uh, the problem is huge. Um, we as tradesmen need to disconnect. We need to have our work persona. That's what we do. We, we work in trades where we have to be that guy, Johnny on the spot. We need to make it happen. We're paid to do it. We're expected to do it. But at the end of the day, we need to step back. We need to stop being that person at work. We need to step into our roles as fathers or grandfathers or fathers-to-be or, or future fathers. We need to take out ourselves out of the work and step into learning to be a man and not being afraid to be a empathetic, loving, speaking love, kind person. And I'll tell you what, it's work. You, I, I, I have to work at it. It does not come naturally by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, no, it's not easy um, work. <laughs> no, it, 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 you have to do the work. You've said this many times, you have to put in the work. And turning that, that job off and getting away from the guys, because if, if we went home and spoke to our families like we speak to the guys, mm-hmm. they would freak out. We'd melt their heads. Um, you know as well as I do. Oh, yeah. We can we can have conversations all day long, working all day long. And I don't know if we said anything other than the F word, maybe six other words, and everything else for the next 12 hours was the F word, and we had all day conversations. <laughs> all day. And we're all as tradesmen, we're clicked into this. That's what we do, that's how we are. Mm-hmm. But that that pride and arrogance that we don't show weakness at work. You don't ever show weakness to another man. That's bad juju, man. You don't tell him you don't know, you show him. But we've got to learn to turn it off and say, and, and, and realize it's not about us. When we walk through that door, mm-hmm. it's about our wives, our children. It's about our grandchildren. It's about our family. Mm-hmm. Isn't this what we say as tradesmen? I'm doing this for my family. Yep. Well, as tradesmen, we need to stop at the door and change our mind and think loving thoughts and speak life and loving thoughts over our family. Even if we don't want to, even if we've had a bad day, we can't give that bad day to our family because they don't deserve it. Nope. No, I agree with you, brother. I mean, I'm guilty of everything you just said. I mean, you know, for those of you who know my story, you know, everything Will's saying is, 
a hundred percent my story as well. Um, you're absolutely right, Will. You know, one of the things I always speak on being a role model for our children, right? We have influence with our children. You know, it's said that we have 13 summers really to capture the hearts of our children. Okay, that's 13 summers. That comes and goes. That goes quick. And depending upon those 13s, how much influence you've had with your children will, you know, either add or take away from later years after the 13, you know what I mean? Going into their yeah. 17, 18 and stuff like that. So based upon what they learned from you, how much influence you had, which I think John Maxwell talks about influence in order to have it, you have to spend that time. You know what I mean? Because influence is leadership. And I love the way you said, bro, that we have to model how to care about others to them because they don't know. You know what I mean? Uh, a father is supposed to model to his daughter how a woman should be treated when we when we interact with our wives. So if yeah. you're yelling at her and cussing at her and all that stuff, your daughter's picking that up. She's seeing it. She's like a sponge. You're her first interaction of how a man should treat a woman and vice yeah. versa for your sons. Now your sons are seeing this man who they look up to, they respect, right? They're looking yeah. at you and they're seeing you treat their mother a certain way. Now that's programmed yeah. in their heads and they think they should treat women that same way. And is it safe to say that you think that that's why women and men are the way they are today? I mean, I've talked to countless other men who say, man, what's up with chicks these days? They're, they're crazy. They're loco or whatever. You know what I mean? And it's like, dude, why do you think they're like that? There was a man in their life that caused that reaction. It's a cause and effect. The, what are your the thoughts on that, bro? My thoughts are that, you know, in, in all this, I can only speak to my experiences. Yeah. And, and I, I'm not anything I say, if it hits someone in the heart or in the head, I'm glad. Yeah. But not, I'm not calling anybody out except myself. I, I, I'm the person that looks in the mirror. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, that person in the mirror is accountable to God and to his family. Mm. Um, one of the things I want to point out is this. When things start going bad for myself, guilt and the worse they got the more guilt i had mm -hmm. unfortunately my guilt manifested in alcohol abuse and blaming my family for being a burden um i realize now that that guilt was one of the biggest things holding me back from being the man I should be and being the father I should be because the worse I was and the worse they reacted to me the more guilt I had and the more I blamed at the end of the day I'm responsible yeah. I'm the leader of my family I am the God giving man given man in that relationship of marriage I have to, and this is something I still work on daily, is I have to approach my wife. I no longer, all my children are grown. My youngest is now 18. Uh, I still have to approach my wife 
put work away, step up and, and not be controversial, not to be contrary, not to be angry. Um, I got to learn to communicate and, and not communicate so that I get myself heard, but to communicate in such a way that she'll be open to me so I can hear her. Yes. Because what do we do? We spend all day listening to ourselves. We talk about how good we are. We tell other people how good we are, and then we show them how good we are. So that's what we do. It's all pride, 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 pride. And, and this is just for myself. But just like you said, we need to model to our daughters. For me, four daughters. Um, I have a better relationship with my kids now yeah. that they're grown than I did when they were growing up. And it's not by any stretch of the imagination great. Um, the thing is, uh, this is this is one of the fortunate things that children grow up to, and they will have some damage. And yeah. I've told my kids, I did the best I could. Your mom did the best she could. We did the best we could together. Yeah. Nobody talked about this stuff. Yeah. In, in, in the trades, in the line trade, the first thing I was told is, you're going to be an alcoholic and you're going to have at least one divorce. I mean, that was day one. Yeah. They told me that. And I laughed at them. I thought it was a joke. Well, guess what? Here, here I am now living on the other side of that truth. Yeah. And it's not a truth. It's a lie. And it's a lie because I bought into it. Yeah. Absolutely. We have to be in order to be with our kids, we have to, just like you said, model being a man of love and empathy and caring to our wives, because you can't have a bad relationship with your wife and expect your children to come out of it any way, shape or form good, or to have a relationship with your children outside of having a relationship with your wife. You don't get to break it up in pieces. You don't get to take your favorite kid and walk away. Everybody's damaged by it. So if you can't start with your wife, if you can't talk to her or better yet, how about you don't talk to her? How about you? And this is, this is for me. How about I shut my mouth and listen to her? And okay. when I'm listening and I'm, I'm, I'm trying and I'm, I'm being loving, I'll tell you what, my life is good. And I can model to my children now as adults, a different man, not the one they know they grew up with. And they still got that. Pre they still got preconceived ideas. In fact, when I get together with them, take them out for lunch or something, when before all this craziness, they would sit and laugh about how anywhere we went or anything we did, even at the house in private, if they were doing something I didn't like and I gave them the look, that was it. The look stop. You stopped. You didn't say a word. And if you were smart, you left the room. They laugh about it now, but it's a telling on me how much of a tyrant I was. I wasn't a loving father. I was a dadgum tyrant. And you know why? For me, it's because I never checked out of work. I was good at what I did. Mm -hmm. I loved what I did. And I controlled everything I did at work. I just thought and I treated it like just another form of control. Yeah. I do that there. I'll do that at home. 
And like I said before, before I went off on a tangent, which is normal, no one talks about these things. No one talks about fatherhood like you. No one talks about being a good husband before you have children. Yeah, no, you know, there was probably 50 self-help books back then. Now there's what, $5 billion worth of self-help books printed every year. And okay, wait a second. I'm a lineman. Mm -hmm. I can do it all. I don't need help from anybody. Why would I read a stupid book? Wow. I made the mistake of thinking I knew it all. Mm. Will, for those that don't have or thinking about having kids, what types of things should they consider and focus on if a family's in their future? What would your biggest takeaways from that be? Oh, all you young men listening. First things, it's not gonna be about you. You need to put your wife and then your children first. And a real man sacrifices for that. And sometimes that sacrifice is you don't take that job out of town. You stay home when there's a problem. Sometimes that means you don't get that high paying job. Sometimes that means you swallow your pride. Mm. Sometimes you show them you can cry. That's as, as young men learn to turn your work life off. If you're a tradesman, the trades are still rough and tumble and, and fun and glorious. And there's nothing like the feeling of accomplishment after you've been humping poles, you've reconducted, you've done this, that, or the other thing. You've worked your butt off and you look over your shoulder and you see what you've done. There's nothing like that sense of accomplishment and pride in workmanship, in your self-worth. Mm -hmm. But that has no place in your home. Your self-worth is modeled through your wife and your children. That just ministered to me, brother, because, you know, you know my story. That's what I did. I brought that home. I didn't turn it off. You know, I, I created that atmosphere that was just chaotic in my household to where I almost lost my family. And for all those listening out there now, here's a guy who's lived it who's been in it, he's giving great value to this podcast just by being able to come to you with truth, you know, truth that's been lived. My father used to tell me growing up that to learn from other people's mistakes, you know, and I'll take that with me wherever I go because it's, it's true, you know. Why go through someone else's stuff when you can learn from their mistakes? So when we're talking about being engaged, being committed, being responsible fathers, listen to us. We've been there. We know that we're not perfect by any means. We're not trying to, to oust anybody or call anybody out. What we're trying to do is ignite that fire for father engagement. You know, Will and I have both been there to where we're putting back the pieces to our families. We're, we're living it right now. And it's not easy. Um, and brother will i just want to ask you what is some of the biggest mistakes fathers make that are hard to recover from what would what would that be what would you think i succeeded in everything i ever set my mind to except my marriage and my children because they were the most important thing 
but now I'm a success because I realize that mm-hmm. it's never too late. I don't care what's been broken. Um, the things that when the divorce happened, the things I was told and thought of and called was pretty astound- astounding. Yeah. Um, and of course it, it wrote on my guilt. So I fed into it, which is, that's a bad, that's bad, bad, bad. Um, those things you've got to step away from. I am a successful failure. We know that our pasts predicate our knowledge of the future for us moving forward, right? The problem is we need things like what you're doing. You're, you're, you're reaching a group of men. Yes. I mean, at the end of the day, the firemen and the police are running one way and we're running to it. I mean, that's nothing to disregard the men and women that serve in the police. What I'm saying is nobody does anything until the lineman shows up. Exactly. And when the world falls apart, the lineman shows up. Yep. We are big. We are bad. We are tough. Amen. Um, we we can't continue to think this lifestyle that we so much love and everything is not going to be toxic to our toxic to our families we've got to learn that the reason when we when we say we do this for our family mm-hmm. we need to own it in our hearts mm-hmm. we need to own that we are stepping up and taking a risk we are putting ourselves second to the needs and wants and desires and hearts of our family. We're doing this because we are servant leaders. If our job, we're men, this is our job. Our job is not to have the best car, the best this, the best that, the best hunts, the best it. You know what? I can tell you I've had toys, 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 toys. And you know what? If I had the money, I never had the time. Yep. If I had the time, I never had the money. I've bought and sold more toys, really cool, awesome toys. And at the end of the day, I never played with them. But I'll tell you what, I sure bragged about them at work. Now, how many of you men out there are at work bragging about your awesome wife and your awesome children? Wow. This is why we do it, man. This is why I always said I did it. Now it's, as you said, there's no mistake you can't come back from. Mm-hmm. Yes, hearts are hurt, feelings are wounded, but you have to model a change in yourself and be patient. Now for myself, Jesus Christ was the largest thing that, I, that, that happened to me. Mm-hmm. And I know people out there listening, I don't care about religious affiliation, yes, no, or otherwise. But understand, there's nothing you can't come back from if you can start looking in that mirror and doing it. Take away your guilt. Get rid of your guilt. Get rid of your pride. Step back from yourself, from that guy you are at work. And start learning that loving other people and that you are doing this because of the love of your family. And don't show them. It's good for them to have gifts. But don't make that the show of your love. Make the show of your love, your love, your words, 
your life that you're speaking into them, that you're hugging them, that you're holding them, that you're teaching them, that you're patient with them. There's nothing you can't come back from. Now, people are hurt. I have an ex-wife. We talk a little. When people are adults, you've got to understand this. The damage you have done, when you recognize it and you make a change, do not expect them to respond in kind. You've got to understand that some will respond. My children are responding to me now, but some will not. And understand that if you continue in the path of changing your life and showing them who you are, who you always meant to be, and who they thought you would be, that not all wounds will heal, and that that's not going to be your problem, so don't carry that guilt. Because that guilt will put you right back down in that hole you tried to crawl out of, and you'll be back to anger, you'll be back to alcohol, you'll be back to drugs, you'll be back to whoring around, you'll be back to whatever it is that you like. Don't fall into the trap of guilt. You model the love and everything else in your life and other people will show, see it. Be honest. Be honest with yourself and be honest with other people. Be genuine. There's never anything you can't come back from. Some things will not be healed. That's human nature. But on top of that, just think of it this way. If you have three situations or people or kids or, or ex-wives or whatever that you cannot bridge that gap with, think of the 50 or 60 or 80 or 100 people that you do know that see a change in you and respond to that. Don't let yourself stop with a quote unquote failure because you can't bridge the damage you have done. That's life. They're adults. They have to learn to live with the other side of it too. Man, I like that, Will. You had so much truth that you just dropped on us, bro. And man, you just, that touched me, dude. <laughs> you know, um, I, I think that both you and I can, are safe to say that we've been through a lot, you know, we've, we've grown and, yes. you know, we both can admit that our journeys have been anything but easy and we definitely don't have it all together. What is a catalyst that you've faced or have been challenged with that has turned out to be, you know, a catalyst for growth as, as a man? Like what's, what's been the crux there that's really just hit you to where you're just like, you know what, this is it. I've, I've hit rock bottom. Just, I need to change. I, I, I don't like who I've been become, you know, it started with my divorce. Um, and of course, like I told you, it culminated with hitting rock bottom. Yeah. Um, on top of that, um, accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Um, that's probably for myself the largest catalyst because I can look in the mirror now and I have a wife that holds me accountable. Mm -hmm. I have children that will speak to me and hold me accountable. The, the catalyst of that divorce and, and falling down and 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 being saved and at the end of the day it's it's me being able to look in that mirror 
and know that I'm not lying to other people. And if I'm not lying to other people, I'm not lying to myself. I'm not holding on to past regrets. I'm not holding on to, to past pains, um, hurts and wants. Um, the, the other thing in my life that has really been a thorn in my side per se is pain. Um, you know, with the shoulders and then getting busted up falling. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm 51 now and I have two total shoulder replacements. I, I'm, it, it's awesome because when you get your shoulder replaced, the hospital does this little, you know, you pay them 85000 to to $100,000 and they throw this little dinner for you. And I go in there after my second shoulder replacement and I'm sitting with all these old people. I mean, the next person in there with some kind of joint replacement was like 67. And they're all looking at me like, what, what, what's this kid doing here? And then I tell them, hey, I've had two total shoulders. I can't. And, and they're like, what? What is wrong with you? Well, you know, we won't go into that. We all know what's wrong with me. But, uh, <laughs> right. Uh, the, The other catalyst is the pain. I, uh, since the age of 28, it's been, it's, it's become my friend and my enemy. So pain is a constant and it's one of the things that sometimes gets a hold of me and I, and I know when I'm out of control and I have to force myself to back down. I have to get away from it because I want to lash out because of the pain in my body. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, when you do your second shoulder, the other cat, I've had a lot of catalysts actually thinking about it. The <laughs> other catalyst is coming to terms with, I can't do line work no more. Wow. It, it's not possible. Um, I did my first one, the right one, and I used it like a shoulder for five years. Now it needs to be replaced again after five years because I continue to do line work. Um, so I, when I got my left one placed uh, a couple years ago, I had to come with the terms that I could not do line work. And when I realized that, I realized how much of that job I identified myself with. And honestly, I felt worthless. Yeah. Everything I thought I could do and provide for my family, I felt worthless because I couldn't do that no more. But then... You know, therefore, by the grace of God, I was able to transition into being an inspector, electrical inspector. Mm -hmm. So for all you guys out there hurting, busted up, keep persistent. Don't let it get a hold of you. But realize in the electrical trade, there are 10,000 different facets of this that you can do. Your knowledge, your experience. It counts somewhere. It counts somewhere. So just because you can't do what you love and what you really, really enjoy, don't let that knock you down. Let that lift you up so you start looking outside the box. Because your work, your worth, your experience, your skill, it counts. And it counts a lot. And let me tell you, we're getting into the day and age where Everybody wants younger foremen. I mean, everybody's going to get to the point where they're 
they've got that young foreman. They were the young foreman. Now they've got a young foreman. That's what companies want. They want young men who can say yes, and they're strong and they can do it. But you've got to realize you're not always that guy. So start looking. If, if you know you're hurting and your knees are screwed up, your back is screwed up, start looking for options because they're out there and it may not be the pay rate you want. But just like everybody's told, every guy's ever heard from his parents, learn to live on what you make. Yeah. Don't make what you want to live on. Mm -hmm. I think that's the truth. Absolutely. So yeah, a lot of catalysts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome. I'm glad you're able to share with us on that. Uh, last thing I want to ask you, Will, is let's say you're in a, you're like leaving a coffee shop or whatever. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you know, you go see your favorite barista. You're walking out of Starbucks or wherever you you go to. You know what I mean? And you bump into your younger self. You know, ten years back, the younger you. Okay. If you bump into him. Okay. And you ask him, you know, and he asks you for some life advice. You're on your way to a super important meeting. You only have 60 seconds to make influence with this guy, right? To, to let him know what advice would you give? And what would you say to him? Not about you. Mm -hmm. It's okay to love your family with all your heart, mind, and soul. Mm -hmm. It's okay. to Love your God with all your heart, mind, and your soul. It's not about you. Real men are servants and they serve because they're strong enough to do it. Be the loving servant. It's not about you. Hmm. And then I probably slap him just out of general principle. <laughs> now get out there. <laughs> no, that's so awesome, <laughs> Will. I mean, you, you touched on so much truth there, brother. And I, so happy to have you, you know, have you on here and so awesome to see how far you've come, you know, just the transition you've, you've gone well, through, through the catalyst, through, through these cruxes in your life, as I like to call well, it. Well, you, you've seen this. Yeah. I, I mean, you were there kind of at the, at the, you, you caught me on the, on just on the downside of hitting bottom, just on the upside of hitting bottom, actually. So you've, you've been here for this journey too, brother, and you've been instrumental. I think it's crazy how how many linemen could probably just resonate with what we just talked about. I mean, just listen to you talk and tell about your story, brought up feelings and memories of stuff I've done, chasing after this, you know, thinking about, you know, what we're going to do for our families and, and, chasing after success and then you know we come home and we want to be celebrated but at the end of the day they don't even want you there you know because why dad's you know telling us he loves us but his actions are saying otherwise you know what i mean so then now mm -hmm. our kids are looking at us like well what's going on here i'm confused you know dad's saying he's loving us but yeah he's yelling at us and he's in work mode my, my wife used to call it you know, work mode. She'd be like, don't talk to me like an apprentice or don't talk to me like one of the other guys you talk to at work should tell me. And Ooh, uh, yeah. it's just amazing how your transition, your journey just resonates with my story so much that it's, uh, 
I know this podcast is just going to reach the hearts and minds of, of other fellow linemen and fellow tradesmen out there and just help them just, just to bring awareness to them, you know, cause that's part of the thing is just bringing awareness, not to tell you what you're doing wrong, but just to make you aware, make you, make you question, make you question for exactly. yourself exactly. where you want to be and, and what you want to be and what you consider successful. Exactly. And to live a life of significance over that success. Absolutely. We all chased after success, you know, the boats, the cars, uh, everything oh, else, yeah. you know, the toys and, you know, like, you, you know, you, you touched on it a little bit about uh, how you would brag about the new toys that you didn't get to spend. That ain't that the truth. I mean, oh, you know, you're making four or five grand a week, you know, sometimes on storm two, three thousand dollars a day and you don't even get to really spend it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it, it's crazy. You know what I mean? You're always talking. I know for me, I was always talking about the next project, the next thing I was going to do at my house. And then I'd be complaining, well, I don't even have a chance to do it. So then what did I do? I threw it on my wife who was at the house. You got to yeah. be there for the remodel, which adds to extra stress on her. You know what I mean? Cause oh, I'm out there yes. making a, a, a paycheck, you know, but uh, this is so awesome. Will I thank you. And uh, I understand now because you sent me some awesome knives, Will. I'd like you to just wrap this up today and, uh, you know, just share where people can find you and reach you because your knives are awesome, brother. I appreciate it. I think I have like six of your knives now. Um, and, they're, dude, they're legit. They're a working man's knife. Lineman owned, lineman made, journeyman lineman made in the USA knives, bro. So just let our audience know where they can get them and reach you at. Uh, first, a shout out to all the men in the line trade that have bought my knives and, ma and made this a successful venture. It went from a hobby to something successful, and I'm very thankful to all you working men. Uh, you can find me at Monzingo Knives on Instagram. Um, and if you don't want to talk about knives, just DM me, and, and I'm more than willing to share. I'll, I, you know, my heart's on my sleeve, and, and I know where you, what you guys are doing what you're living, how you're living. And uh, if you'd like a knife, that's great. If you want to talk knives, that's great. If you want to just talk about anything, Monzingo Knives on Instagram, I'm always available. Thank you, brothers, for continuing to do what you do out there. Right on, Will. Well, I'll go ahead and put that on the notes, Will. And I thank you for stopping by, dude, and just uh, blessing us with your story. And, you know, just, just, you're just awesome, bro. You know, I think the world of you, dude, you're, you're, you know, you're my journeyman growing up in this trade. So <laughs> working with the old man, remember, <laughs> but, uh, so that's, that's really awesome, dude. And thank you for just coming on this podcast, brother. And I look forward to having you as a guest on here again, bro. Thank you guys. Thank you for having me and, uh, God bless you, brother. Continue to do what you're doing. We men need it. Thank you.